Chapter 19 of The Blue Star by Fletcher Pratt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Blue Star, Chapter 19 Two Choices. The stern faced matron's name was Dame Quazo. She told Marcella to show Olette to a small brown room angled by a dormer, where a bed with one blanket, a chair, and a chiffonier were the only furniture. "'The dress-room is down here,' said the servant, pointing. "'The regulation is that all demoiselles stir themselves together at the ringing of the morning bell, so that the day's tasks may be assigned.' "'Why?' said Lalette, sitting down on the edge of the bed so glad to hear a voice without malice or innuendo in it that the words hardly mattered. The eyes were round and the mouth was round, a series of rounds. Said Marcella, It is the regulation. You must dress your best for evening. It is the day of the diaconals. Ah? Uh? Oh, some of them are quite rich. We will have roast meat for supper. Wouldn't it be nice if one of them would take you way up in the mountains? Lalette felt her heart contract. "'What do you mean?' she asked. "'I am from DeSola, and this is all new to me.' "'Why, the diaconals! Those learners who are in the second stage, almost initiates, so they can't be married, and once a month they come—' "'Marcella!' came Dame Quazo's voice impatiently. "'I must go. You won't have to work today. You never do on the first day.' Lalette thought, What trap am I caught in? It was a diaconal that Tegval said he was, and that he had chosen me, that horrible night, when, when... A fierce surge of anger burned through her at the widow Domajek, who had babbled so of love and God, yet brought her to this dubious resort. And once more, as when she stood in the mask-maker's parlour, there was the feeling of being hemmed in by metal walls. But before her fury could rise to the performing of the black witchery already forming in the back of her mind, the door was tapped and a toothless old man brought in her chest and said Dame Quazo awaited her attendance. The entrance broke a spell. Lalette was inwardly assuring herself there was some mistake. The thing might be better than appearances, while the matron began in the most ordinary way to ask her what work she had done or might be fitted for. At last Dame Quazo said, I do not know what you DeSolan girls are trained for by your mothers, except marriage to counts. No one of you can earn the worth of her clothing. You know nothing, but I will place you with the stitchers who work on linen till you have learned something better. You will find your witchery of little value here. I suppose the charge is justified? Lalette stamped her foot, all the fury returning at this treatment. Madame, she cried, as I was brought up, a girl sold into prostitution had already earned the worth of her clothing and something else beside. There was a silence, in which the cool hard eyes did not change, nor the face around them, and Lalette had the sensation that if she looked into them any longer she would drown. Dame Quazo said, Sit down. We have had girls like you before and always they make me doubtful of those who admit you to the company of the Mayonesi. 
Nevertheless, it is our task, who conduct these covertines, to see that you are instructed to a better way of life. Listen attentively. There is in this domain of Manchuria, and in our honorable order, no question of prostitution, which concerns those who sell for money what they should give for love. But it is the wise ordinance of our prophet that they who would attain to the state of initiates shall not marry before quitting this material body for that life which is the god of love. For marriage is viewed with approval by the old churches as though it were something to be desired. Yet it is but a license to serve the god of evil, in whose armory no weapon is so potent as the propagation of further mankind into this bodily world which he wholly rules. Therefore it is ordered that when one who has reached the diaconal estate is overcome by the desires which the god of evil has placed in all flesh, he shall seek out the Mayonesi, choose one, and cohabit with her for as long as they both will. It is a matter of free choice and no compulsion. Yet during such time the diaconal is not allowed to continue his studies, thus standing in danger of never becoming initiate, but of dying and being reborn into some ugly form, as a serpent or an insect. Said Lalette, nipping a lip in her little white teeth, and what of us who merely satisfy the lusts of these men? From severity the matron's face turned to astonishment. Why, this is the very service of love, that we offer our bodies, not in exchange for the sustainment a man gives us and the satisfaction of our own desires, but in the name of the love of God, that all may benefit by learning the vanity of earthly wishes. I was not told of this, and I do not think I like it." Dame Quazo's face turned stern again. "'Very well,' she said in an iron voice. "'There are some who will not accept instruction. I will have the account made up of what you owe for the passage here. When it is paid, you may have a porter take your box wherever you please.' "'Where, indeed? And how pay?' Panic mingled with the anger that boiled anew in Lalette's mind. "'Ah,' she said, "'you talk of love and holiness, and—then burst into tears, leaning forward with her hands covering her face. The matron came around and placed a surprisingly gentle hand on the girl's shoulder. "'My child,' she said, "'it is not I nor the initiates of Manchuria that place you under hard compulsion, but this material world, in which the god of evil has all power.' All you have learned, all you have gained through witchery, is straight from hell. Return to your room. Meditate what I have said until supper, when some of the diaconals will come, and see for yourself whether it is as sour a fate to be of the Mayonesi as you now think. 2. Rodvard had no meal at noon, lacking money. His eyeballs ached from toiling under lamplight and the others had finished their eating when he reached the Gualdi shop. The dame's voice was not very pleasant. The blue star told him she hoped he was not going to be as much trouble as something he could not make out. But Lise and Vienna, the oldest daughter, reheated for him some of the stew in a casserole and made to entertain him by asking him about his work. When he told them it was casting accounts for the Mayonesi, there was something behind Vianna's eyes that came to him as a shapeless whirl of fear and desire, 
but he could neither draw her thought more clear nor cause the subject to be pursued. Now the talk turned to Desola, and especially to Count Cludi, for the whole family became much excited when they learned Rodvard had actually seen that famous person in the flesh and even worked for him. It took him several moments to realize that, here in Manchuray, he need not withhold his tongue, for these people thought the Count as great a villain as did the sons of the new day. Rodvard related the trick Cludi had played on Ayella of Arjun, keeping his own name out of it for a reason he did not quite know, whereupon Lys asked innocently what a mistress might be, and the elders laughed. His own room was very small with the window right over the bed and only space for a garter-rope, a cabinet and one chair. The next morning the girl brought his breakfast very early, and it needed no blue star to see that she wanted to talk, so he made her sit on the chair and took the tray across his knees, as he asked why Viana had been so strange about the Mayonesi the night before. Her sweetheart is a learner who has now become diaconal and wishes to join the sisterhood but father and mother want her to marry in the usual way. She leaned close and in a voice that was little above a whisper said, "'You won't tell, will you? But we are afraid he'll bring an initiate to persuade them, and then he'll find out that father and mother really believe in the old religion, and he'll send both of them away for instruction, and all three of us will have to go into the Mayonesi, and I don't want to.' So many questions whirled in Rodvard's head that he could not find words fast enough, and all his senses were tingling with the sudden nearness of Lisa's red lips, the swelling breasts, and the message that darted from her eyes, saying she was pleased with this same nearness, but not as Damaris the maid, she held herself high, and— He said, rather stupidly, not thinking of his words, And why not? I would think— She leaned back again the eyes went dead, the thick brows came together. Ah, but you do not think like a woman. We... we... want... What, charming Lise? She flashed a smile which accepted his tiny apology and announced they too would play the game so set in motion. We want to be loved for ourselves, here in this world. There, I have said it. Now, when you make your fourth-day report before the Stellarian, you have only to complain that I am out of the law of love and they'll send me somewhere for instruction, and you won't have to be bothered with my questions about Desola. Defend the day! But tell me, Lise, is it contrary to the law not to be Amorosian? Oh, no, you don't understand. It isn't that hard, really. Only the initiates have to see that people don't do wrong things and doing something wrong always begins with thinking, so they send people away for instruction when they begin to think the wrong way." She rattled off this like a lesson learned. Rodvard said, "'But who decides whether the initiates themselves are right?' "'Why, they have to be. They learn everything through the God of love, and one of them couldn't be wrong without the others finding out.' That was how they found out that the prophet was falling under the power of the god of evil, when he tried to change everything and had to leave us." Rodvar picked at the bed-cover for a moment, deciding it was as well to change the subject. "'But tell me, why can't your Mayonesi be loved for themselves? I am only two days here and know so little about your customs. 
By the diaconals who choose them, you mean? Ah, uh, no. All the Mayanesi know they are only second choice. The diaconals have already chosen the service of the God of Love first. Then the Mayanesi are jealous of the Church, or of your God of Love? Oh, no. Women think more spiritually than men. You must go to a service with me, and then you'll understand. The corner of her mouth twitched slightly. She reached over to touch his hand. I must go, she said, and was gone. This was the beginning of a custom, by which she came to him each morning to be his instructor in all that concerned Manchuria. Once or twice, fat Dame Gualdus wheezed up the stair and smiled through the door at the two, wishing them good morning as she went past on some errand, real or pretended. She seemed to find it decorous that the girl often sat on the edge of Rodvard's bed. Their conversation never seemed to fail, and they took delight in minor contacts, as when he showed least the fashion of sitting-wrestle he had learned as a lad, with each opponent gripping the other's right elbow and only that arm engaged. Lise was so nearly as strong as himself as to make the contest a true one, and she was as greedy as he of the almost meeting of bodies, as the blue star told him. She would go a long way with him, it said, perhaps all the way if pressed, but felt a little fearful of her own desires, and would want him as a husband in permanence. When she left, he would think of Damaris the maid, as he dressed, and how she also had sat on his bed, and the end of that meeting, sweet and terrifying, how she had killed his blue star, and how he would surely have been trapped into some regular connection with her, had not circumstance ordered his flight from Cedad Vicks. At this it seemed to him, walking the street to his daily toil, that there was nothing in the world so precious as that jewel and the use to which it must be put, and he must reach De Sola again, and by no means do the thing that would rob the blue star of its virtue. And then he thought of the penalty Lalette had promised, which lay at the back of his mind like a dark cloud of dread. But as he took his place on his stool, the thought came that he had already earned whatever penalty there was. It was not credible that the accident of having the star's power restored by the old woman in the hut would disannul what he had to bear, nor was it likely that the restoration would hide his action from one possessed of the witch-powers of the faraway girl to whom he was bound. But why was he bound to Lalette? Now the sweetness of the touch of Lise and the desire of her body ran through him like a liquid fire and he felt as though he were running across a bridge no wider than a knife-blade over a yawning chasm, toward a goal hidden in mist and all his inner organs were wrung. Bergelin, said the protostellarian, "'you will remember that this work is given to you as a charity, which it will profit you not to abuse.'" End of chapter 19